With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. From climate change to energy and environmental matters, you're listening to Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT Radio. Well, we have an exciting show for you today. I am going to debut the very first ever climate skeptic, just say no to oil style protest, Extinction Rebellion style, uh, guerrilla protest that I was involved with, along with my pals at CFAC, Committee for Constructive Tomorrow with Craig Rucker. Uh, We actually went down to Dubai and we blocked the traffic. We had a lot of fun. We didn't get a permit. We stuck our nose up at the uh, you know the authoritative government security and the UN security, and I'll show you that clip here in a second. Uh, we did it in complete spirit of the uh, the protests that have the billionaires and Hollywood uh, Hollywood donors fund the Just Say No to Oil, the trashing of the oil paintings. Now. I'm being a little facetious here. We did do this protest, but it was more of a spoof protest as you're about to see. Uh, But this was actually done on site at the UN Climate Summit. And this was done a few days ago before I left, right before the day before I left Dubai to come back from the United States. I was there the whole week at the UN COP28. It's just about ending, I believe today or by tomorrow morning, it should be over. And of course, they're still haggling over whether we should be allowed to have access to fossil fuels. That's what your betters uh, are debating right now uh, in, in Dubai. And when I say your betters, I'm saying that sarcastically as well. But they think you're your betters. They're the most educated, highest class, finest universities, most degrees. Uh, and they hang out in high society, polite society. Well, we had some fun. So let's go ahead. This is our protest, my protest, along with uh, with Committee for Constructive Tomorrow, uh, which runs CFAX Climate Depot. We went out to the UN summit and we protested, but we didn't protest oil. We didn't protest you know, that they weren't doing enough. We protested the entire concept of net zero. So without further ado, here it is, the exclusive worldwide release, if you don't count me just recently putting it up on Twitter, of uh, are the, the climate skeptics strike back at the climate agenda. Roll tape. CFACT, in the tradition of just say no to oil, decided to just say no to net zero by conducting a bus blockade at the UN Climate Summit in Dubai. And there you have it. That was our big protest. And yes, we actually got the, those are the taxi drivers there. We actually got them to cooperate and we had some fun with that. 
Uh, and I really felt strongly that just like every Three Stooges episodes ends pretty much with Mo, Larry, and Curly running off into the distance after someone clunks them in the head and they run off, I figured it was fitting and appropriate to end this uh, this climate protest video that way. And you know, we had a lot of discussion before this because there's a zero tolerance for protests in a country like United Arab Emirates. They're very crack down on any civil disobedience, even some levels of free speech, even though they have a fantastic city that just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It embraces unbridled development with no apologies. There's no, as I mentioned yesterday, there's no parks for homeless people. There's, uh, you know, there's no needle exchanges. There's no uh, tent city set up uh, for people and there's no crime. So we knew we were in a problem. We had actually talked to people who'd been detained in jail for political speech and other things while we were there. So we took a little bit of a risk, but we thought we'd have some fun and we got away with it. Uh, we got the footage. We would have liked to do a few more takes and a few more things like that, but I'm very happy with that. And the message here is we really do need uh, civil disobedience on our side, I believe. I mean, this is literally, we need to have politicians we need to have citizens. We need to have academics. We need at least we need to just push back on this whole stupid idea of net zero. The idea that we should be giving up all of our liberties and freedoms to a ruling class expertocracy, if you will, to tell us how we can live our lives and what we can do from down to the way your pizza can be cooked, whether it's, it could be done in a wood stove oven to the thermostat in your home, to hamburgers, to the type of car you drive, to banning gas powered cars, to uh, how often you can fly. You know, as I mentioned yesterday, CNN wants to do the travel passes, carbon uh, passport for travel, and you only have a certain limited amount. And in France, of course, they've already banned short haul flights. All of that, we need to just say, not only no, but hell no. And I don't mind a little bit of speeds. Now, having, what, what Extinction Rebellion does is just say no to oil. When they actually do block traffic, now we didn't actually block traffic in that video, but when they actually do block traffic, uh, they even get the ire of some of their climate activists. You have people like Michael Mann, the climate gate professor who's now at University of Pennsylvania. He actually comes out and says, this isn't a way to win over hearts and minds. And he's absolutely right. Uh, you know, it's the silliest thing you'll see. And of course, pouring paint on Mona Lisa's and other priceless artwork or defacing buildings as they recently did with the Brandenburg Gate. Uh, this would be Extinction Rebellion, Just Say No to Oil. This is funded by the Gettys and the Rockefellers and um, a guy named McKay, a Hollywood producer who did, I think, How High Is Up or that just uh, whatever, the movie with the cartoons. He's a very uh, wealthy producer who's funding this. So all these times you see these young looking, brainwashed looking activists out there pouring paint, blocking traffic in the name of the climate agenda, they're actually doing it uh, more so at the bidding of these billionaires. It's not, you shouldn't be angry at these brainwashed people. You should be looking into who's funding them, what organizations and what they actually believe. And they actually believe that we face a climate emergency. It's an existential threat. Earth is about to end. And we basically need to complete halt to everyday life because that's the level of importance. And that's why they love COVID so much. Because remember, COVID brought about an end to everyday life. Uh, we had a complete reset. It was a complete shutdown. And that's why you have teen climate activists. Jamie Margolis, who's actually said, uh, you know, if we can shut down in Teen Vogue magazine, if we can shut down the world for a virus, we can do the same thing for climate change. 
And by golly, that's what they're trying to do. So I will show that clip again here in a few minutes because I it's uh because I'm enjoying it, number one. And because, you know, in case you wanted to see it again, I just thought um it really was trying to spoof everything that they did. Well, along the same vein, me talking about young brainwashed people at these events, there is a development today, breaking news, news alert, news flash. The a series of kids high school and there's been other lawsuits kids as young as elementary school everything else they are now suing the united states government environment protection agencies there's 18 california children they're suing it over the epa's failure to rein in and control climate change not making this up the student lawsuit uh, or the child lawsuit or the underage kid lawsuit uh, they're underage they're under 18. They, one of the things they lead with is a 17-year-old who has no air conditioning because his family can't afford it, lives in Long, Longport or Long Beach, California. And here's the quote, he must wait until evening to do schoolwork when the temperatures cool down. And so he's suing the EPA because the EPA hasn't prevented the temperature, it gets too hot. And when it gets too hot, what does a 17-year-old say? He can't concentrate. Uh, and just to give you, I, I mean, not making this up. I'm going to give you the actual name. The federal lawsuit is called Genesis B versus the United States Environment Protection Agency. This just broke today. According to the lawsuit, the lead plaintiff, Genesis B, that's his name, is a 17-year-old Long Beach, California resident whose parents can't afford air conditioning. As the number of heat extreme heat days increase, by the way, not true. Here in the United States, you can look at any chart, even Biden's EPA chart, uh, and you can actually see that the 1930s heat waves were not only much more severe, but they were much more severe on an order of magnitude of 10 to 12s higher than anything we're experiencing currently. To go further, we've had the majority, two thirds of our heat waves have occurred before 1955 in the United States. And that's what this lawsuit is about, the United States. We're not talking about Bangladesh, or we're not talking about Europe. They're talking specifically about the United States. That's why I'm giving you specifically United States numbers. He can't stay cool in his home during the day. So here's a quote from the lawsuit filed in California Federal District Court. On many days, Genesis must wait until the evening to do schoolwork. When temperatures cool down enough, oh, it's a her, for her to be able to focus. That's the first time I realized it was a her, Genesis. I don't know if that's a code name or what. So she can't focus because it's too hot. Her parents can't afford air conditioning, which we'll get to in a moment. The other plaintiffs in the lawsuit Range in age, are you ready for this? Eight years old is the youngest plaintiff in this lawsuit against the EPA. This is the madness of our society in 2023. This is the madness of courts accepting lawsuits. This is the madness of lawyers accepting it. This is the madness of parents going along with this, allowing their eight-year-old to be a plaintiff in a lawsuit suing the United States Environment Protection Agency for not protecting us against climate change. First of all, it's an executive agency. You had eight years of President Obama. You have four years of Joe Biden. So they're basically suing the Biden administration right now because they're in charge. The EPA doesn't wait for no stinking democracy as the Viva Zapata. We don't need no stinking democracy as Viva in the movie Viva Zapata. We don't need no stinking badges. They don't need a vote of Congress. They can do this. So in a way, this is the climate activists unhappy with the Biden EPA because they're not keeping it cool enough. If only the EPA had banned gas-powered cars 10 years ago, Genesis would have been able to do her homework a few hours earlier. Now, because they didn't do that, because you're still eating a hamburger, 
Genesis, the 17-year-old plaintiff in this California lawsuit, is forced to wait till evening to do her homework because she can't focus in the heat. Enjoy your burger. <clears throat> Sorry, continuing. Climate change, according to the lawsuit, is affecting their lives now, such as wildfires and flooding that have damaged landscapes near them and forced them to evacuate their homes and cancel activities. First of all, wildfires are down dramatically over the last 100 years. Flooding is on no trend or declining trend according to global studies. And this is actually cited even by the United Nations IPCC. So this is a bull bleep lawsuit. I haven't gotten the word. Uh, can I use curse words on the air? Hold on. Uh, okay. Don't have a definitive answer. I want to start cursing, but we'll get back to it. Right now, we'll just say bull bleep. Although I guess I could say bull crap, but I wanted to say bull s. But anyway, I had to check with the censors on that. Time is, this is a lawsuit again. Time is slipping away. The impact of the climate crisis is already lifting up, hitting us directly. We are running from wildfires, being displaced by floods, panicking in hot classrooms. You know, go visit any school today. You'll see kids literally panicking in hot classrooms. During another heat wave, a 15-year-old plaintiff, Noah, said in a statement provided to the courts, uh, uh, this, this is who said this about being displaced by floods and we're panicking in the classroom. So they're providing statements. A 15-year-old has released a statement to the judiciary system. So these children uh, are claiming that they, the EPA has, quote, this, listen to this, destabilized the very foundation and ordered liberty of children's lives. Now, that's a profound statement. I'm gonna repeat that again. According to a federal lawsuit filed in California District Court with 18 kids, some as young as eight years old, the basis of this lawsuit is the EPA has not done enough to stop climate change. And here's what that's caused. Quote, according to the lawsuit, it has destabilized the very foundation and ordered liberty of children's lives, unquote. So all you climate deniers out there, you are literally destabilizing the foundation and ordered liberty of children's lives. That's what the lawsuit says. And by the way, there is no expectation that science, reason, logic, uh, or common sense will win the day. This is California. I expect the kids to win. I expect them to get damages. I expect this to go to the Supreme Court. That's how I want to curse. Hold on. Can I curse? I want to use the F word here, but that's how effed our court systems are at this point. Uh, I you know, wouldn't be surprised. We recently had a case in Montana. Guess what? The kids won that. Why not? These are judges. Many of these cases, most cases, they're uh, Obama, Bill Clinton, you know, judges, you know, liberal judges of the left who are all sympathetic to this cause and understand the importance of pushing this. Okay. So what I wanted to do, here's the key to this lawsuit. Now, remember, they, the kid, the opening and all the lead stories on this and in the lawsuit of the lead plaintiff, Genesis B, 17-year-old girl, Long Beach, California, she can't focus because it's too hot. And she has to, her parents, it says here, the parents can't afford air conditioning. And that's fascinating because why would, why is it so difficult to pay for air conditioning in the United States? Hmm. One simple reason, the entire climate agenda is against air conditioning. All the rules and regulations and uh, measures to stop climate change are designed to make air conditioning more expensive and ration it. Couple, couple quick examples, Time Magazine. How to fix the air conditioning problem. It's terrible for the planet. Time Magazine promotes 
public cooling centers. We need to reorient ourselves to the meaning of air conditioning. Now, just stop a second. They're saying in this article, Time Magazine, this is only from last August of 2023, that you can no longer, in a climate emergency, just crank the AC in your house. We've already had Colorado, the utilities controlling your thermostat. You can't make it in Spain. They're doing the same thing. You're not allowed to put the too cold because you have to meet net zero climate goals. But they're telling you out loud that you can't you can't even use it in your home. You need to go to a public cooling center. And the LA, the LA Time Magazine, they're suggesting that a car in the LA Times as well, suggesting that a van or public transit comes, picks you up during the hottest hours of the day, you go to a public cooling center. So my suggestion, the genesis is, she ought to go to the public cooling centers. That ought to be a trip in California, right? LA area or San Francisco. Wouldn't that be great? Send your 17-year-old off with all the drug-addicted homeless that, that you know they had to pick up from the street and put them in the cooling centers with the general public, who's no longer allowed to be in their home with air conditioning because we have to meet net zero because we're in a climate emergency, don't you know? Washington Post has weighed in on air conditioning. I don't need air conditioning and neither do you. So the Washington Post says the 17-year-old Genesis doesn't need air conditioning. AC has made Americans greedy and silly. So there you go. The Washington Post is this is an older article, but they're talking that saying this these plaintiffs are greedy and silly. If you want to quote tout your lower carbon footprint, you need to give up air conditioning. A whole war on air conditioning. Uh, we have a whole uh, Biden administration has been going after the Kigali Amendment, which is going to essentially uh, refrigerants would cause air conditioning prices to skyrocket uh, and cause a whole series of rationing. Anyway, uh, this is what we're dealing with. That's the lead story today. I have so many others here. I mean, I just wanted to spend some time on this because it was so absurd, these kids. So we're going to go to break. This is the Mark Morano Show. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT Radio, the new daily show. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez. And normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, Remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. 
For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. Top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back. Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT Radio. All right, well, joining us now is Todd Callender, the founder and CEO of Truth Hub. He's an American lawyer, and he's worked, interestingly enough, as a lead plaintiff's counsel in federal litigation relating to compulsory COVID vaccinations. He's a big champion of... Uh, the against uh, COVID authoritarianism, public health authoritarianism, and free speech. Welcome to the program, Todd. You got all that right. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Mark. <laughs> nice to be here. All right. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in, for instance, a lawsuit, uh, federal litigation, where did you ever consider yourself uh, anti-vaxxer? Did you ever consider yourself oh. against public health? Were you one of these science deniers? I and mean, how did your evolution come about? And did, was it all COVID or were you evolving toward this pre-COVID? Uh, tell us your history. Wow. You're going to love this story. So I all was right. in the vaccine business. In the 1990s, oh, wow. my family acquired the intellectual property to a needle-free mass vaccination device, meaning the, the means by which to deliver all these vaccines in a grand scale. So I took that. My job was to get it through the FDA process, and I ran clinical field trials in Cuba for three years. Um, being the first U.S. person authorized to do business with that enemy nation was kind of a big deal. And so I was dealing with the highest levels of the Cuban government and the American government um, doing this, um, which required the use of vaccines, obviously, to test in our injectors. So um, it was such a, a, a novel thing that actually in 2000, 1999, 2000, I actually brought the WHO into Cuba. I brought Pfizer into Cuba, amongst with a lot of other notable vaxxers. Um, and since that point in time, I've been, you know, keeping track because my family owns this needle-free injector. So, and my sister runs the company. Having said all of that, um, we were watching mRNA field trials uh, over the last 20 years. It's not new technology. What bothered me is uh, in 2019, there was rumblings that the United States was going to use mRNA technology to treat um, respiratory viruses. And I knew from tests that we had been observing, uh, in some cases participating in, the use of mRNA to treat COVID or any other respiratory syndrome ended with all the, the test animals died, all of them. So when yeah. the Secretary of Defense said, well, I'm going to give 1.4 million service members, active duty people, this, this vaccine, quote unquote, this mRNA technology, novel, never used before in humans, all at the same time, I said, like, not, I can't stand by Look, I'm not a trial lawyer. I haven't been one in 20 years, but I couldn't stand by. So I filed a temporary restraining order in federal court. I sued the Secretary of Defense, Health and Human Services, and the FDA. Um, and I thought for sure the government would come back after I put in extraordinary evidence showing how dangerous and crazy this was. Yes. I thought they'd come back and say, oh, yeah, our mistake. Let's let's stop this. No, they didn't. They came <laughs> back and they fought me for the last three years. <laughs> so it's, been, it's been quite a journey. We have some tremendous experts uh, on our side. And, of course, now we're coming to find exactly what we knew then. This technology is extraordinarily dangerous. It's a gene modification technology. And what we have in front of the Supreme Court, because that's where our case is going right now, is the threshold question. Existing U.S. case law says from the Supreme Court, use of mRNA to effectuate gene modification, and that's what happened in this case, means that the synthetic product, in this case the vaxxed people, belong to the patent holders. They are a slave 
species that belong to the patent holders. And my point is that violates the 13th Amendment. And I've asked the Supreme Court, hey, you can't possibly have meant that in this earlier holding. Um, so this is where we're at. It's crazy to be here. And, and I got to tell you, all of the patents um, indicate that that's precisely what they plan. The military has all kinds of super soldier programs and documents that, that talk about this. Our NASA Lang Research Group in 2001 actually named this new species Borg, B-O-R-G, I kid you not. Well, a lot of for the military, a lot of people have the impression that the military owns you once you join. Yours is not ah. to, you know, you're you're not allowed to question or challenge. You're just there to do and die. And you know, you're a grunt. They, I've talked yeah. to many servicemen who who took the vaccine, and they'll tell me like, well, you know, when you're there, they just stick you with needles, and you're in the army, and you got no say. Yeah. And you do what you're told. I mean, I, that's literally the yeah. attitude of almost everyone I've talked to. So you're well, telling me that they tried to codify this that the, the, that that yes. that any member of the military is basically owned by the United States government? Is that what you're saying? Just to clarify it's that. It's not just the military. Anybody that got the shots, according got the to the U.S. case law right now, belongs to the patent holder. So says it's a case called Molecular Pathology versus Mirror Genetics. It's a 2013 Supreme Court case. And by the way, I get that mentality because I was in the military and you got two of these big needle-free injectors, 12 shots at a time, bang, you're in basic training and away you go. However, that is not the way the law works. Um, and, and so I, I want people to understand this, that if you don't understand your human rights have been stolen from you, according to existing case law. And my job is to say we outlawed owning people in 1865 after the Civil War. Right. We outlawed yeah. slavery, owning people as slavery. You don't get to own people. And so my concern is that if people are owned as chattel property, what stops them from being used? And the answer to the question is nothing. We are now finding commercial use of people that have been implanted with the, what is effectively hardware that operates to turn people into batteries, transducers, transistors, receivers, and transmitters. I kid you not, um, and I can show it to you. There's actually a website called InPersona, I-N-P-E-R-S-O-N-A.com, and it, it measures your biorhythms, and you can mine cryptocurrency using your biorhythms if you get one of these devices. It's actually talking to the wireless body area network of your body, which was also installed, and now um, and now they can actually harvest you to mine crypto if they want to, which was one of their patents. In fact, it was the Bill Gates Microsoft patent. It was a world patent office, uh, 060606. Well, you know, I've seen, and I think it's Sweden and Norway and a lot of these European countries, all kinds yeah. of experiments to put the barcode tattoos and to put yeah. little implants under even people are using the digital currency and they're, you know, under their skin. I mean, yeah. there's all, and then of course you had the Google CEO, Sergio Brin telling Klaus Schwab at a World Economic Forum uh, and Klaus Schwab bragging about the brain implants and how you'll be able to read people's life. I mean, it's so yeah. it's so fantastic. I don't even like to talk about that end because people think you're but another. But it's that they are talking, but these aren't secret documents, hidden no. anonymous sources. They say it loud <laughs> and proud from these actual forums. But when they you do. repeat it, even sourcing it, I always feel like a nut you know, when you read it. But it's, Mark, it's actually this like, is yeah. now. This is now, yes. we're not speculating yeah. what is going to happen. We have the means and motive opportunity. We have their patents. We have their statements. And now we have a, a site, not one, but several, that commercializes your biorhythms to mine cryptocurrency. You can download the app today if you want to. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, let's go. Yeah. Now, when you were doing this lawsuit on COVID, 
one of the things that was incredible, if you listen to Rachel Maddow and you listen to Anthony Fauci and you listen to all yeah. the chattering heads, they all said the vaccine was safe, effective. No, and if you God. get COVID, you're not going to get COVID and it's not going to be passed on. And COVID stops with you. The vaccine stops. Turns out that they didn't even do tests at all to test whether it passed, whether it was, you know, whether it, you know, whether it stopped transmission. Was yeah. that included in your lawsuit? And what is the state of that in terms yeah. of? No, is there a fraud case? I guess they're immune yes. from any real lawsuit. Is that correct? You're well, in the vaccine not world, necessarily. So... <laughs> yeah, okay. I, th I thought they, I thought there was no way it could be responsible. They have liability indemnity. I guess you'd call it. So while that may be true, that doesn't mean that under the law they get a free, you know, free ride on this. There is um, war crimes that can be incorporated into the alien tort statute, which is exactly what we're doing. And that vitiates, it completely vitiates the um, qualified immunity they think they enjoy. Um, and so we're actually working on that. And of course, when you are in the business of turning others into slaves, there's something called anti-peonage laws. Um, you can't be rewarded. You can't be compensated for criminal acts. So I don't care what they say about being immune to lawsuits. It's hogwash. We are going to hold them accountable. All um, right. Well... But you know the problem, right? The problem is you have someone like Scott Gottlieb who went from FDA chairman, revolving yes. door to big pharma. Yes. You have big pharma, whether it's the cable news, the corporate media, they're like the number one donor. Yes. And I guess donor is the wrong word, but they're paying it. They're paying the media. They're paying politicians. They're got the bureaucrats yep. on their thing. You have Anthony Fauci with whole separate budgets. Aside from the fact he's the highest yes. paid you are going up again. You may as well go yes. up against the military industrial complex. How I do did. you even get up in the morning? But I mean, yeah, how do you win those battles? How but, do you but win I that did. battle? But I did. Okay. When I sued the DOD. You really did. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yes, I, I did. To be, I, I was trying to be really metaphorical, did. but you literally did it. Yeah. <laughs> I literally did. We stopped yeah. the DOD mandate. And how we did it um, was first and foremost, the, the use of force was authorized. And that's why I filed a temporary restraining order. And it wasn't our suit itself. We've been battling over uh, procedure issues for two years. What happened is we couldn't help the thousands and thousands of service members that came to our firm the day we, I mean, within an hour of filing this lawsuit, the phones are ringing, people are knocking on doors crazy. And so the three of us in our little pro bono law firm said, what are we going to do? And we decided to make templates. Um, one of my law partners is a retired JAG officer, and we drafted up these templates with criminal complaints, Article 138, um, inspector general complaints, exemption requests, all kinds of stuff, six or seven of these templates, and we published them. And the, the military works this way, man. When something goes here, it's everywhere. It's, it's, we call them rat lines. The information rat lines are crazy. And it turned out at the end of the day, 400,000 service members all collaborated, corroborated to, to paper the holy hell out of the DOD. And they had to answer it all. And it ended up <clears throat> causing one quarter of our entire military to say, hell no, we're not doing this. And, the, and they lost what's called force readiness to the point where Congress had to say, whoa, what are you doing, DOD? Stop the mandate. And sure enough, in the National Defense Authorization Act of 2023, they rescinded the mandate. So we won because we said no, and we, we gave everybody else the courage and the ability to say no together. We can do it wow. again. That, that's a fantastic story. Now, that also, aside from the military, was it the same uh, freedom? Was the, was the lifting the same for all federal employees and other branches, yes. or was it just, just the military? Yes. So that was a one-time, so it was all federal employees, we not just the military. Them. This includes we all. all. Like, you know, okay. 
when that was lifted, what happened to people who were either, first of all, if you didn't do it, were you forced out? Were they forced into early retirement? Were they fired or yeah. was it still ongoing? So were people, did people actually get forced out and they were welcome back or yeah. did they actually not get, how did it work? This is the craziest part about this. It, it was a cascade of different results. So in, in the National Guard, there was a lot of commanders that I think understood what was going on, and they didn't really push their troops. They were mandated, they were ordered to get it done, and they were dragging their feet. So a lot of the National Guard troops really never had to go through that process, and they were saved. Um, so there's a lot of troops um, throughout our military that, that didn't get the shots at all. They weren't required. They were required to, they just didn't get there. There is a whole lot of others who were forced out, and some of our clients were actually court-martialed, and we had to defend them. Um, and then there's another group who, the saddest is people were 19 years in, so they were almost at their 20-year retirement, and they were forced out. And then they were deprived of their legitimate career and the money that they had been storing all this time. You know, and, and so the, the, the way that the, the law read, the rescission order from Congress said, you must make them whole, you must restore them. And our military has not done that. And what happened is they lost so many people from, from serving. We're about 24% down in total, total force. We have a deficit of at least 24% in terms of new recruits. People are so sick and injured that our soldiers cannot fight. They can't even man the battlefield or the, or the battle stations, for that matter. Um, pilots can't get through the training programs. So our military has been destroyed, and they can't get new people in. And our military is just now saying to the people that left, could you please come back? We'll restore yeah. you. It's too late. The esprit de corps is gone. The trust and leadership is gone. Yeah. Our, our troops are not going back. And they're sure as hell not going to go die on some foreign battlefield because some guy in a, you know, in a general's outfit with stars on his shoulders said you got to. It's not going to happen. Well, let me ask you this. Like, during this whole vaccine debate, I remember talking to, I won't give a name, but prominent <laughs> inside the Beltway, uh, conservative yeah. heads of think tanks would be like, What's the big deal? You know, kids have had, you know, vaccine mandates to go to school the for day, you know, 50 plus years. You know, you have the kids, you have, you know, in order to get into school, theoretically, you need a whole series. I, mean, I know there's religious and medical exemptions and a lot of schools don't enforce it. How do you argue that in case, you know, and what other vaccines were mandated by the military before COVID and were those affected by your lawsuit? These are gene modification agents. That's the difference here. This isn't some attenuated virus that's dead or maybe even slightly alive. These were designed to modify your genome into a new species, and that's precisely what they did. It didn't matter whether it was AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, or Moderna. The technology was using synthetic DNA and RNA to effectuate modifications of your genome, and nobody asked you. Why? Because there was a special memorandum written by the um, Attorney General in 2005 to the Secretary of Defense, then Donald Rumsfeld, who said, you just have to let people know, or they could know that this is gene modification technology. Let's call it gene therapy. And if you call it gene therapy, you don't have to get informed consent. So what they did is they made an entire slave class species wow. globally. They did it on purpose, and they planned to do it. That does not that does not bring them to any form of immunity, and we are in the process of of uh, holding these people accountable, and they're freaking out. The 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 general officers who, who force this on others, and people inside the DoD and the and the government itself, the FAA, for example, are only now reconciling with the inspector general complaints we filed two years ago that told them all of this. Our star our star expert witness is a, a flight surgeon, Teresa Long, Lieutenant Colonel, said. 
These shots are made of polyethylene glycol. That's the base components of antifreeze. You can't stick that in people's arms, into their veins. And they did it anyway. This is malintent. And, uh, and we're going to hold them responsible criminally and civilly. Uh, do you mind if I ask you, did you get the, the, the COVID vaccine? Did any of your God, family? No. What did you advise God, people? No. <laughs> you know? I, I, am, I am Mr. Anti-Vaxxer. And this is what I wanted to say is that over the years of having been in the, in the vaccine business, one of the things I came to find, in addition to all of this, is that never once has there been a double-blind study of vaccines. And in fact, the, the immunity that you speak of that goes back to the 1980s um, is if you look at the legislative history, it's because the vaccines had such a serious adverse event rate, 20 percent across the board, that Congress decided if we don't give them some protection, nobody can survive in the vaccine business. Well, that should have been the case because they are inherently dangerous. They are inherently hazardous. And by the way, the, the father of vaccine, father vaccinologist, I guess is what his name from Merck, laughs about putting SV40 virus into the shots. That is known to cause cancer. They have been putting poisons into these shots for decades, and they knew, and they did it on purpose. Wow. Okay. Well, we are speaking with uh, Todd Callender, the CEO of Truth Hub. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. What did I say? Cloud, it's actually Clout Hub. Truth Hub is a is a feature of Clout Hub. I'm actually the CEO of Clout Hub. Cloud Hub. Okay, CEO of Cloud yeah. Hub. And we'll be right back. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano. Thank Continue you, Mark. this conversation. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. They say that everybody has a podcast these days, and I recently found out that Roseanne Barr has one, so I guess it's true. Now, I soured on Roseanne when she did this at a Padres game back in 1990. Well, here she is 33 years later on a podcast, hers, with none other than Tucker Carlson. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to the Roseanne Barr Podcast. I got a good one today. I got the guest of all guests. How do you feel about Trump saying he would consider you for vice oh, president? Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I put that in the category of asteroids striking the Earth. <laughs> good or bad, uh. it's so far out the side, outside of my control that I... Would I mean, you, I'm flattered. Yeah, it is flattering, isn't it? For sure. But I mean, it's hard to, you know, I've never been in politics. I've never. Would you ever do it? Would I accept? Yeah, if you really have to ask think you. about that. Um, I mean, I spent my whole life looking at politicians and commenting on them and passing judgment on them. And I've never run for, you know, room mother. And so the idea of that is so far from anything I've ever done. It's kind of hard even to imagine. I didn't hear the word no. <laughs> Did you? Thanks, Roseanne. And thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents 
saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Mark Morano is unleashed, and he's taking on the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, and the United Nations on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT. Welcome back. Mark Morano here on Unleashed with Mark Morano. All right, we are continuing. We're here with Todd Callender, the CEO of Clout Hub. And he's, of course, filed lawsuits. He's battling for uh, medical freedom for our armed services members. But you're also battling for free speech and privacy theft in the world of big tech and our form yeah. of communication. So exactly what is Clout Hub, which I guess Truth Hub is a division of that. Why was it needed? Yeah. And what's what's wrong with big tech? Everyone has Facebook and they have Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. It's, it's all everyone has a great time. What's the problem? Well, we all experienced it. So, you know, imagine what happens to Mr. Trump. He talks about chlorine dioxide. Next thing I know, you know, he's he's talking about, well, he's he's telling people to take bleach. You know, this yes. is this is the kind of um, speech that was being quashed. And and by the way, if you put hydroxychloroquine into a tweet or into your Facebook post or whatever, you got kicked off or you got quieted. Whatever the case is, shadow bound. I've been shadow bound all over the show. Um, but these are attacks through the platforms themselves to effectuate speech. You know, to try and quash it so that people wouldn't know they were being poisoned. Right. They've been so effective yeah. at this, the, the powers. And so um, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Brain came up with the idea. Let's let's build this alternative platform and we'll guarantee free speech. And sure enough, he built this platform. Um, and unfortunately, he died in the process. He was my understanding from his doctors. He was actually attacked um, Havana syndrome style thing. And he died with a massive stroke. And we were invested in the company. Uh, and after he, he passed, I was asked by the other shareholders, could you please do something? We stepped in, acquired the majority of the stock, and we built TruthUp, which is an end-to-end encryption uh, meeting platform just like this one. We don't keep the data. We don't want the data. It's browser-based alone. And we guarantee anonymity. So anonymity and privacy equals freedom. And I had to first order business when we acquired Clout. Um, I took over the CEO job was to redo the privacy policy statement because everybody and their brother says, hey, if you don't tell us not to, we're going to take your private data and we're going to sell yeah. it. Um, we undid it. So what I did is I said to our, our bank of lawyers, look, I don't want their data. I don't want to know who they are. I don't want to know anything about them. We're not going to do geolocation or anything else. We are here to create the intellectually honest marketplace of ideas. And that's what we've built, uh, including meetings like this. And we actually built it with Christians in China and in Iran uh, in mind. They could go to Bible study if they wanted to. And when they're done with the, the meeting, they close out. It never happened. There's no record that it ever wow. happened. There's no recording unless they keep it. Um, and by the way, we added as a function of this, Instant translation in 72 languages and 100 dialects. You could literally have a conversation with anybody in the world in their own language, up to 70 people at the same time, and, um, and free from any intrusion, free from the gatekeepers of information, the gatekeepers of truth. And that's how we came up with the name. Well, all right. I, I've talked to people you know, about, again, this is it's amazing how, I guess I'd use the word compliant 
much of the public can be. I will yes. talk to people that say, well, you know, the government wants to, you know, surveil you. They want wired. Yeah. I have nothing to hide. Big tech. And what do I care? I got nothing to hide. So, an open book. Why should people be concerned if whether it's Facebook or Instagram yeah. or Google or I, Apple is sucking up every bit of data, every website, every ad you look at, every purchase you make? Why should that be a problem? Some people like it. They're like, hey, I, I was just yeah. talking about lawnmowers, and then I noticed on my computer I got all these ads for lawnmowers. I mean, people think it's like a convenience thing. What's the problem? What's the downside? Yeah. Well, in, in today's world and where this goes, truth is a revolutionary act for which you will be prosecuted. So there are, um, believe it or not, means by which ex post facto laws happen. So you might be talking today about something perfectly lawful, um, we're talking about Truth Hub today, but in one week's time, the government has the ability to say, no, you can't talk about that, and then they will prosecute you for that. I mean, it's hardly any different than the January Sixers, right? They went to lawfully protest. They had nothing to hide. Now they're cool in their jets for, what, 20 years in some cases. The other part is that, you know, our government is out of control. We filed something called a writ quo warranto. We found that every single person serving in the current administration has no oath of office. And without an oath of office, they are serving themselves and not themselves. And this is why you see a lawless government, right? They just Explain make it that. up. Explain that. What do you mean they have no? So you're saying every federal employee should take an oath of office? Or what are you, what are you saying? It's they required. Have five USC, it's five US code, 3331 and 3332 requires every federal employee to have a written oath of office, a sworn one. And what I'm saying to you is we did a Freedom of Information Act request, and we found that not one person serving in Mr. Biden's administration has a valid oath of office. Some didn't even bother. And the statute says if you don't have a written sworn oath of office, then everything you did is void, and you must have one within 30 days of serving. What that means necessarily, Mark, is that we have actors. They are impersonators of federal officials. And it's not just me saying this. You would have seen the Commerce and Energy Committee in the House of Representatives got up two months ago and they said, we're coming to find that Mr. Fauci wasn't even lawfully employed. You know what? When we filed this with the U.S. attorney, it was called a writ quo warranto. Quo warranto means by what authority? Um, we had to serve it on the U.S. attorney because the attorney general doesn't have a valid oath of office. By the time we served it on the U.S. attorney, we found out he didn't have a valid oath of office. And we went to serve it and, and, and file this case in the federal district courts in D.C., as the statute requires, and they don't have valid oaths of office. So where precisely are we going to go to get this redress? And if they aren't serving, the, the law says they have to do this. It's been around since the Civil War. How are you going to force people to have an allegiance to their job and their country? Wouldn't you want them to swear an oath? Wouldn't you want to have something hanging over their head that if they didn't comply with it, if they didn't adhere to their oath, you could punish them? They haven't. Yeah, none of them. Right. Wow. I mean, have you looked at, at previous, at like the Obama, Trump? Have, have they were yeah. they actually signing this, or is this just something that's fallen by the wayside in recent decades? So presidents are a different matter entirely. Theirs is governed not by statute but by the Constitution. However, in the in 1963 on January 10, the Communist Manifesto was read into the congressional record. It's called the Naked Communist. It had 45 items to transform U.S into a Soviet satellite, effectively, a communist nation. Item 14 of those uh, was to eliminate the oath of office. If you went there today and ticked it all back, you would find out that all 45 of those have been completed. Our belief, based on the research we've done so far, is that oaths of office stopped being required, effectively, even though the statute says they're required, since 1964. Let us not forget yeah. 
in, in November of 1963, our own government murdered our president. Right. Let's let's be clear about that. That's been well, declassified. We all know. Uh, you have to wait another hundred years when they release the files. They're not hiding anything. It's just it's just, it's a bureaucratic process. We'll know in a hundred years. Don't worry. <laughs> no, it's been declassified. That's a fact. Our government. Well, they've sealed. They've sealed a lot of the, the records. Is, <laughs> the records are still sealed too. Yeah. That, in fact, if you talk to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he's a firm believer uh, in that. That is his uncle, of course. Um, well, okay, back to the data question. Why do companies want your data? Why is it valuable to them? What do they do with it? You know, why do they care so much? Why is it such a big deal to have anonymity? But what do these companies want? How do they make money off of it? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but starting with something as simple as information, right? That you have a potentiality to pay money for goods and services that they want to market to. So as simple as getting your email address has a value to it. It's two dollars, or sorry, twenty dollars for every thousand email addresses. Anybody can sell them, um, and it goes up from there. But at the end of the day, the currency of the world is actually your data. It's biometric data, and you might remember the FTX exchange was a crypto exchange was based on um, a, an exchange of, of credits and debits based on your biorhythms, your credits, um, I'm sorry, your, your carbon credits as it relates to yeah. your physical activities. And this goes back to the very same thing I was talking about a few minutes ago. They have actually attached a value to your biorhythms. And so all of the information that you have has a value attached to it. And it's expressed now in a credit score, a carbon credit score, um, which is what the Chinese have been doing for the last decade, right? Controlling people by and through their behavior. Your, your programmable money, your central bank digital currency on your phone won't work in China if you ate too much meat or if you went five kilometers from your home. All of that data and the geofencing that they're collecting, which is even more valuable than your, you know, your email address and name, um, all of that is related to your carbon credit output and what is, is ultimately the central bank digital currency. You are the currency. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I did a, I did a whole section of that in my book, The Great Reset. The central bank, the Bank of England said the quiet part out loud. It allows you to only spend money on what the government deems sensible. So whether you're driving too, right. driving too much, flying too much, buying too much red meat, they have the ability to shut down your spending. And that, you know, I, I part of me thinks the Sam Bankman treat, the idea was to scare everyone off cryptocurrency so be more willing to accept a central bank digital currency, which is run by the trusted institutions of government and the banks and the corporate co government collusion. Um, yeah, tell us about, yeah, a little bit deeper about that. The, the central bank digital currency, last year, Joe Biden issued an yeah. executive order. It looks like we're on yes. track for that. Uh, and we've already had MasterCard join forces with the United Nations to form a, a, called the Dokotomy credit card, monitors your carbon footprint, cuts off your ability yeah. to spend money when you hit your carbon max. People say, well, this should be this. This is a more efficient. We're going to get rid of fraud. We're going to have a cashless society. Why should we be afraid of this central bank digital currency? <laughs> because it will be the end of humanity. We're already marked for destruction. We're in the middle of an extinction level event. Let us not forget in 1994, the, the governments of this world convened a meeting in Cairo, Egypt, where they agreed to reduce the population by 7 billion people. Yeah. They wrote all that down, right? I didn't make this up. So yeah. how else are you going to go about reducing the population by 7 billion people? Gee, would, would it be convenient to be able to cut off supplies like food and you know, travel um, and call them actually the, the problem? You know, for instance, it would be uh, anthropomorphic um, climate change. We now see the WHO says that climate change is a communicable disease. 
All of those things tie into your carbon credit score. You're the carbon that they're talking about. When Bill Gates says we better get that number down to zero, he's talking about you and me. He's talking about people. <laughs> yeah. We are the problem, and they're using this as a predicate to reduce the population and enslave whoever's left over. And those in people are already enslaved, especially if they've got the shots. Now, given your background in public health, you mentioned this, but the Harvard School of Medicine, actually the Harvard Chin School, so I think it's got Chinese money, has declared that uh, unchecked climate change leads to more COVID-like viruses. So essentially, yeah. if you don't support net zero, the United Nations Green New Deal, you're a grandma killer. And now you yeah. have, right before this UN summit in Dubai, COP28, the climate summit, you had about 200 medical journals urging the World Health Organization to declare climate change part of a public health <laughs> emergency. <Yeah>. And the, <laughs> the WHO has already declared it the existential threat. So so essentially, yeah. is this a case where Bill Gates, yes. one scientists at the WHO can declare a pandemic and then all of a sudden we can have global instant lockdowns under climate change and travel restrictions? What? Is that their end game or is that a conspiracy oh. theory? No, you nailed this. You nailed this 10 ways from Sunday. When six magic words are uttered, public health emergency of international concern, what happens is globally, pursuant to the 2005 international health regulations and the amendments made this last summer, all of your human rights are suspended. And that what that means, okay, so on March 13, 2020, Mr. Trump declared a national emergency related to COVID. Your constitutional rights were suspended by a feature of that. Immediately after, Mr. Becerra, declared a, a public health emergency, that suspended your human rights inside the United States of America. When the director of the World Health Organization utters six magic words, public health emergency of international concern, everybody's human rights are then revoked. It is military, martial, I'm sorry, medical martial law is what this is. It's the use of public health to strip away any rights you have. And the way that it sits today, Mark, the state of the law today is all of the governments of the world, because we're in the middle of a public health emergency, could line us up against the wall and shoot us with liquid or lead, it doesn't matter, vaccines or machine guns, doesn't matter. They've given themselves the authority and they've said to all each other, their treaty partners, we won't hold each other accountable. There is nothing stopping them from, from literally slaughtering us as they want to. They've declared a war on viruses, which about half the scientists I talk to don't even know if they exist. We went from war on terror as an enemy nobody knew or could identify, but it, you know some people look suspicious. Now we have a war on viruses. What does that look like? Well, they've had these little balls with things sticking out of them. They've already told us what it is. Yeah. It's a never-ending war with a, a, an enemy that could never be found or killed. Right? It's just another way of doing it. Yeah, and uh, and also you know the idea of declaring emergencies throughout human history, the greatest yes. Uh, restrictions on on freedom, human freedom has been during times of crises under declared emergencies. Whether yeah, you're talking 1930, right. you had the 9-11 emergency decree, which we're still living under. You had the COVID emergency yes. decree. And now they want the climate emergency where literally NBC right. News just reported it would give Joe Biden COVID-like powers that we saw with the governors and mayors during COVID. Plenary power. Bypass democracy. Yeah, bypass democracy. Plenary power, unbridled power. It's not that it will give them. In, in December 9 of 2020, our Secretary of Health and Human Services declared a Marburg pandemic. That's viral hemorrhagic fever, people falling over dead in the streets. It didn't happen. He declared it. And by the way, they declared yeah. another one prospectively on January 20, I'm sorry, <laughs> January this year, there's going to be a new one, a new Marburg wow. pandemic. 
All right. Well, thank you very much. This is we're talking with Todd Callender, the, found, the CEO of Clout Hub. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.